Hi, you're listening to my mom, Kat Lee, on the Inspired to Action podcast. Hey, can I listen to it? Hey, my name is Kat Lee, and I want to welcome you to the Inspired to Action podcast. I hope this show is the pep talk that you need as a mom, a reminder that what you do every day is life-changing, and it matters more deeply than you could ever imagine. Out of all the women in the world, God chose you to be the mother of your children because you are special and amazing and he has called you and he will equip you. So thank you for serving your family, for loving your children fearlessly and for fighting to be a great mom. This episode is for you. Let's jump right in. Hey, my friend, I hope you are having a fantastic day today and I'm really excited about today's show. I'm sharing with you a friend. Well, she goes kind of by two names. Her name is written Elisa, and we'll talk about that a little bit in the show. But she goes by Lisa, just keeping it simple. I like people who keep it simple. And she's written a lot about mentoring and motherhood. And we're going to talk all about that today, as well as go into her journey from being angry and an angry mom to becoming a more patient mom and the journey that she's been on and that she is on. And I know that we all can relate to that in the seasons and moments of our life, wanting to be more patient moms with our children and just more patient in general. Now, I have a challenge for you all today as well. I've been thinking so much lately about how a lot of times motherhood feels like it's something that should just be innate. And, and, you know, in a sense, it is. In a sense, we really get to know our children and their needs and, and how they're feeling in different moments, whether they verbalize it or not. But at the same time, it is also a craft. And when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel inadequate, I just want to challenge you to pursue motherhood like you never have before. Pursue it like you are going to get your master's degree in being a mom. I want you to have a go to amazon.com or wherever you buy books and make a massive wish list of all the books that you want to read that are going to help you become a better mom. Go find all the podcasts that you can find on being a better mom. Go find all the courses that you can find on being a better mom. And, And I just deeply challenge you to pursue learning because motherhood, obviously it's something that comes natural, but at the same time, in order to be excellent at anything, we need self-discipline. We need wisdom. We need to learn from those who have gone before and have become successful and have done well in order to be our very best and to minimize learning from failures and to maximize learning from other people's Um, successes. So that's my huge challenge for you this week, to be passionate about in this season of motherhood that you are in right now. Be excellent in it because the excellence that you achieve as a mom is the excellence that you're going to achieve at anything else that you pursue in life. Not because it may or may not become natural, but because of the hard work and the perseverance and the dedication and the commitment that you invest into it. So I'm going to add a few resources to the show notes for you to, to just get you jump started. And you're going to find parenting wisdom in lots of places. I'll list some parenting books. But I've also, honestly, one of my favorite parenting books has nothing to do with parenting, technically. Um, John Maxwell wrote a book called The 21 
uh, well, now I forget the name. He, all his books or a lot of his books have the same general idea of the title. So I forget what the exact word is. But I think it's like the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. But it's basically the 21 Laws of Leadership. And it's more of a business book or if you're a pastor, it would be ideal for pastors. But really, all of it, all of it applies just as much to moms as it does to anybody in the business world. And a lot of times we think of motherhood as something separate and something different, but it really is just like anything else in life where it comes down to dealing with people and learning to effectively communicate, to effectively lead. So we're going to jump into our episode today with Lisa Pulliam, and it is about mentoring and it is about motherhood. And so my challenge for you is to find those motherhood mentors in books, in people, in podcasts, in courses, wherever you can, and be passionate about learning and being excellent at this craft of motherhood. Let's go ahead and jump into the episode. You're going to love what Lisa has to share. Here we go. Hey, Lisa, how are you? Hi, Kat. I'm great. How are you? I am doing very well. Now, I had to do a little research to figure out what I was supposed to call you. Oh, yes. I figured that. <laughs> that so for everybody listening, they probably know you as, how do you pronounce it? Is it Elisa? I say it Elisa. Elisa. Kind of like ebook, you know, Got it. e-life, Elisa, that sort of thing. Okay. And so tell me a little bit about why you go by, or do you go by both or do you just go by Lisa now or... I go by both. It sort of depends upon what stage of life you know me from. If I introduce myself, I, I always introduce it as Lisa. It's just easier for people after decades of people destroying my name and having <laughs> trouble remembering it and then having trouble referring to me by name. I realized Lisa was easier, but really the main reason for this kind of monumental shift uh, for me was that I have struggled with anger my whole life. Um, and there's a big, long story about that. Um, and I, I, you know, wrestled through this with God, like how I mean, this needs to stop. Like, I don't want to be so short fused. And there was this kind of aha moment, um, in the morning I was having my quiet time. I was reading my Bible and I was journaling as I do at my prayers and just kind of demanding of God, like, please tell me what to do. And he gave me this, I'm a very visual person, he kind of gave me this visual of um, a woman, me, wearing this really beautiful fur coat, but it was matted down and disgusting. It was as though I had been living in like a slum situation. And I insisted on taking this stinky, disgusting coat and wearing it everywhere I'd go. And, and the Lord basically whispered to my heart, you know, that's the old you, you're a new creation in me. And I've called you to live without that coat as comfortable as it may feel in terms of shielding me and protecting me. It's time to take it off. Uh, and I, like I said, I'm very visual. And so when I, I sense the Lord calling me to something new or impressing upon me something new, I need a reminder. Like I'll, I'll get a rock and write something on it. I'll find a piece of jewelry in a dollar store and stick it on my finger until my you know, finger turns green. <laughs> You know, I'll, I'll get a rub-on tattoo or a henna tattoo and put that on. Something to kind of help me over the next month remember the truth mm -hmm. um, that, that God was revealing to me. And so what came to me was to drop the E. And it was very, it felt very symbolic of how the Lord, you know, changed Abraham's name from Abraham to Abraham mm -hmm. and Sarai to Sarah 
and Saul to Paul, and I so identify with Saul. So, so E, you know, it's still there, and I, I tried to permanently drop it um, so that I could just be Lisa, but it gets a little complicated. You know, we have birth certificates and marriage certificates, and um, at that point, my blogging, my online writing life was transitioning, and there's a Lisa Pulliam that writes for Christianity Today. Oh, wow. And, and I really, I respect her. We, we've connected, you know, in the online sense of things. And I didn't want anything to be mis- misconstrued. Mm-hmm. So I decided that everything on, in print and online had to have the E. Um, but as I speak or if I'm with somebody, I introduce myself as Lisa. And to this day, it's been five years or so, it's still a reminder to me, you walk mm-hmm. in that new, new person in Christ that I've called you to be. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. And so um, today we're going to be talking about mentoring. But with some of what you said, I would love to hear about your journey with anger. I I know a lot of moms, myself in particular, never ever thought of ourselves as dealing with anger until we had kids. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, feel like it brought out a lot of the impatience or whatever. So I, I, I... would love to know just a little bit of your story with that sure. and some, you know, maybe some nuggets or, or tidbits that you've learned along the way. Sure. I can, I can share about that and I'll, I'll be brief because, you know, the mentoring part is just as important as this, mm-hmm. but the anger part I think is pervasive. I, I call it the target mom syndrome <laughs> mm. um, where you see that mom, you know, across the aisle yelling at her kids and you're thinking, oh no, that's not good. And you're thinking, oh no, I hope that's not going to be me in 10 minutes, you know? <laughs> and and, it, and it's an issue because it, it's something kind of core to us. And for for me, I've been, I've been writing about this lately, actually, at elisapulliam.com. There's a post up from yesterday on it because it's something I struggled with over the weekend. Um, for, I, I came from a legacy of dysfunction and abuse. And in the last couple of years, we've kind of learned how far back it goes. But I also, as my mom says, was kind of born angry. Um, and and I, I never really knew what that meant other than I, I mean, I was in fist fights when I was a schoolgirl. Like mm-hmm. I was, um, I'm just quick tempered and I'm very sharp with my tongue too. So it's a, it's a double-edged sword. I, I can be physically feel the adrenaline pumping, but verbally also be just as nasty even if my hands don't move. And um, when I had kids, I knew I was an angry soul going into the parenting thing. Mm-hmm. And even even post-Christ, you know, coming to Christ in college, I still had this sense that, well, we're supposed to have this gentle and quiet spirit, and I am anything but gentle and quiet, so God, what are you going to do with me? <laughs> and, um, and I didn't know how to steady my soul, my spirit on the Lord. I didn't, I, I was just immature in my faith in that regard. And over the years, a couple things have happened. Um, one, I started to identify my triggers, what would make me angry. Um, and for many of us, I think when we're tired, when we're hungry, um, when we are like order around us and there's chaos, when there's a change in schedule, when we're afraid that somebody might think badly of us um, or that our kids may, may reflect poorly, you know, we, get, we take our anger out on them because they're embarrassing us. Um, and so I had to identify my triggers and kind of manage as much as I could in terms of, you know what, it, I just had breakfast at seven, but I feel very hungry at nine. I need to eat something, even if that's not what the rest of the world says we're supposed to be doing for our health or I need to take a nap in the afternoon. That was critical when my kids were little, I napped 
every day until they were all went to school, basically. Um, and, and they would take a quiet time in their room or rest time and, you know, 20, 30 minute nap. And it was enough to take the edge off for me. But there was still this issue. Why was I still irritated at, at things that were disproportionate to what was reality? And, um, well, I mean, this is the tough part of the story. My, my husband actually said to me, if you really loved me and the kids, you wouldn't treat us this way. My oldest was about eight at the time. My, I, have, um, I have four kids. So my oldest now is 14. I have a 12-year-old daughter. And I have twins who are eight, um, a boy and a girl. And so I, I looked at him. Obviously, if anybody tells you, how could you really love me? You're going to act in anger. Yeah. And, and I was like, what? How could you say that? That's, that's ridiculous. And then I, and in, a day later, I went to one of my best friends and I said, can you believe my husband said this about me? And she's like, yeah, actually, I can. You know, you need to get help. And I, oh, I was so mad. Um, but I knew she had been a little bit through this journey, too, and was speaking from a place of humility, not judgment. Mm-hmm. And I got on the phone that next week. It was at, actually in, January, in a December, January break, like right this time of year. And I spoke to about five counselors in five days on the phone and described my situation. And they all said the same thing. This can be resolved. And you are suffering from post-traumatic stress, really, is what they said. And I was like, that, that's impossible. That's what people who go to war suffer from. I haven't been to war. I'm like a normal American kid who's now a mom. <laughs> and 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 I found a counselor who's a Christian who used prayer as part of her approach, met with her for about nine months, and in that time really discovered that while I believed that Jesus was my Lord and my salvation was secure in Him, many of the truths of scriptures I was not applying to my everyday life. Hmm. I was living out many, many lies about my identity, about my purpose, about um, what God wanted for me. Um, and I was, I had stored up in my heart so many things that had happened and that I had done. I mean, I was a crazy teenager. And so things that I regretted doing and that was all stored up in me. And, and I hadn't let the Lord speak truth into those places, forgiveness, grace, redemption. Um, and so a lot of my anger towards my kids was fear-based anger. Like I was afraid that they were going to hurt like me, or I was afraid mm. that they were going to turn out, um, turn out like me and, and make those mistakes. And, and so I, it, it was a place of, of healing and laying it before God. And so basically, so there were these two parts in my life, the one part of managing the triggers of my anger, the other part of dealing with the heart issues and healing. And what a radical transformation. Unbelievable. My oldest kid's say to me, if I start yelling now, they're like, you don't do that anymore. Why are you acting that way? <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And, and the other day I just, you know, hollered at my littlest daughter and it wasn't the top of the lung screaming. It was like, I don't understand why you can't clean up this room. You know, <laughs> you're incredibly intelligent. I see your test scores. Like you are capable. And, you know, she, you know, her eyes well up real big with tears and she's in shock because I don't usually react mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. So the shock of it was, why is mom acting this way? And then I had to go back mm-hmm. to the Lord and say, what's my problem? Mm-hmm. And, and part of my problem is my personality. 
And there, and that's this third component that the Lord has revealed to me about why we women, we mamas, um, some of us are more prone to anger than others. There's, I've done a lot of studying about the personality types, and I am like the poster child for the choleric. So, <laughs> if he, you know, if she's described as the woman who marches into the room, sees a problem, knows how to resolve it, tells everybody what to do, and makes enemies in the process, like that's me. <laughs> And so when those strengths are yielded to God, they're absolutely glorious and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I believe God will use me in situations to move things according to his eternal plan um, if I'm surrendered to him. Mm-hmm. But when I am not, and when something has to be my way simply because I want it my way, that's the ugly side of my personality. And that is why I think my mom said, I was born as a Viking because she saw, <laughs> she saw my strengths from the get-go. I was a determined little girl. And, and you know, I, it's taken all these decades to learn how to surrender, and it's still a process. That's so good. I, I mean, there's so many great things that you shared in there, but one of them is just the you didn't let any perceptions of what going to counseling means stop you from solving the problem. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how many moms out there would just so deeply benefit from some sort of counseling, but they feel like there's this perce- perception about counseling that, oh yeah, I don't want to do that. That means that there's something wrong with me. Well, there's something wrong with all of us and yes. we all probably need counseling. And so I love that you shared that. And so if you are a mom out there listening and there is a situation that you don't know how to deal with, it is awesome. And you, you just heard a testimony of what counseling can do for you. So don't be afraid to go do it because a year from now you could be the same as you are, or you could be free. Absolutely. And, um, so I love that you shared that. And I love just the story of that transformation and how really, regardless of how we're born, all of the things that could, we could have grown up thinking of as weaknesses could actually be, um, shaped into strengths. Um, yes, especially, you know, with, with the, with the Lord and, and he, you know, he created us and he has a great purpose for each of us and all the things that are already in us are going to be used for his purpose and they just need to be shaped that way. And so I love that you were, I mean, I guess part of your personality is just, you know, you saw, you recognize the problem, you charged in and then you, you got it fixed. Yeah. And then honestly that you nailed it there, Kat, because I am a problem solver and I saw a problem. I made a lot of vows when I was young and I don't think it's good to make vows in general, uh, but I didn't want to have a repeat of, mm. of the negative parts of my life. And I have two incredibly loving parents, let me say that. They love me. They lay down their life for me. Um, they have done everything that they could in their power mm-hmm. to give me what they thought was best. But they were also two broken people, just like I'm a broken person and my husband's a broken person. And and they didn't have the resources around them and they didn't have a relationship with the Lord in order to sustain them through this. And so what, what ended up happening was the vows I made that said, okay, the dysfunction ends here and I, you know, I will not be an abusive mom um, came to a place of saying, okay, well, if I'm not going to be an abusive mom, where does that transition begin? How do I move in a new direction? And, and I, you know, I, I have to say this about counseling. It was really hard to go, but I was in a desperate place and I was able to find a Christian counselor 
And so Focus on the Family, that's a great resource to go to. They have lists of counselors who register with them in their directory. So if you can't find one, uh, you know, if you can go to your church and ask, um, you know, for recommendations of Christian counselors in the area. And then don't let money be the reason why you don't go. Some insurance plans will um, cover, like if you pay your deductible, then you can be reimbursed a portion of the counseling fee. Um, and, and the other thing that can happen is some counselors will use a sliding scale based on your needs. And so don't let the what ifs prevent you from seeking a short-term solution long-term. Mm-hmm. You know, counseling isn't forever. You don't go to it and, and sign up for life. You go to it and you deal with issues and then you explore how to live out what you've learned. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So you went through that journey. Mm-hmm. And now you take other people on a journey and you are, you've written an ebook about mentoring and you are mm-hmm. also a life coach now. Yes. Yes. Tell me a little I, bit about what inspired that ebook and what inspires you to help people transition their lives absolutely. or transform is a better word. Well, maybe I'll start with the life coaching piece. So the one thing about life coaching is that I've always wanted to help people because of how God has helped me. It's really that passage and I think it's in second Corinthians about God as the comforter will enable you to comfort others, but didn't want to go through and didn't have the time or the resources to become a counselor. And so I looked into this life coaching and what I discovered is that life coaching is not counseling. Um, I am not helping people dig out the past, but God has used me to say to my clients, listen, this is more than coaching. This needs counseling. Will you go for help? And then we can continue and pick up when you come out of that counseling situation. And that's been amazing. As a coach, basically, I work with women, um, moms uh, especially, who are trying to find balance and discover their personalities, work through their spiritual disciplines because they need to get back in a discipline of meeting with the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's through a question and answer process. And it's, I'm asking questions like you're asking of me, and then I'm listening to them as closely as possible to ask more questions so that we can seek the Lord for his answers and direction. And then I offer the accountability and encouragement. And we, we do it for a couple months, a couple clients will sign up for a monthly checkup, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. I love it because I get to see God at work and be a part of the process for a short time and then see them launch. Uh, and it's been amazing. So, so the life coaching, I actually got into that because I had already um, been mentoring for like 15 years, mentoring primarily teenage girls and some young women. And I felt like I wanted like another tool mm-hmm. to give to them. Like I, I had gone through a situation where I had about four teenage girls that I was mentoring very, very closely, make some really bad decisions and uh, get in trouble. And I was like, God, I stink as a mentor. Like, (laughs) I've totally failed. You know, their mothers are crying. I'm crying. We're like, what did we do? We've totally screwed up. And and through that process, really wanted to learn, well, are there other ways to go about working with somebody other than telling them what to do? Hmm. And, And the life coaching is that process. So now I'm a, I mentor girls, but I use a lot of life coaching techniques and in Impact My Life, which is the book I wrote, it's basically um, any mom can read that book and their relationship with their children will radically change, especially with their 
like tween and teenage and 20-somethings. Um, anybody who's in ministry can read that book and say, oh, I didn't know I could do it this way. Because what I do is I, I simplified down what is biblical mentoring. How is it different than discipleship? How is it different than corporate mentoring? And how can you mentor somebody if you're not very mature in your faith? Or how can you mentor somebody if you don't really have answers to their life situation? And I come down to this this one primary thought, which is we can mentor biblically when we follow Christ distinctly. And that that concept was really influenced by an author by the name of Anna Ortland, and she's an author, writer, speaker, and she recently passed away. I'm so sad about that. Um, she she talks about discipleship and says, if you know John three sixteen. You need to go across the street and teach somebody John 3.16. Hmm. And when you're done teaching that verse, run back home and learn another one and then go back across the street and teach it again. And, and that, to me, is like the concept behind what I talk about in terms of mentoring is how to share Christ on a daily basis, how to train up, our, especially our daughters, with um, biblical life application principles as women and the distinct roles that they'll have in that regard. Uh, and then how to reach out beyond our own families to connect with others in either a formal way, like a mentoring group, or informally just by time spent together, but with healthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of moms listening, They obviously they definitely want to reach their kids and they would love to reach other people, but they feel just overwhelmed, just, you know, like they're always behind and they would love someone to come and mentor them. Mm-hmm. How do they find that person? That I'm glad you mentioned that there. That's the other aspect. Well, I, I there's two aspects that you just said that I, I talk about in the book. One is excuses, mm-hmm. um, our excuses for what keeps us from mentoring. And, and in many ways, those excuses also keep us from reaching out for a mentor. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I, was my great aha moment is I don't have a mentor and never have had one person mentor me. And when I, for years, when I heard, you know, so-and-so is such-and-such mentor, I just felt defeated and sad. Like, why won't somebody tap me on the shoulder and take me to coffee once a month and just love on me? Like, do I come across so confident and capable that I don't need anybody else? And for a while, I kind of tried to be like the, like reveal my weaknesses, you know, as like bait. Like, (laughs) please, please know I'm really a mess behind the scenes and I need your help. And, um, and it, it didn't work, you know, and I thought, what is the problem with this? Why can't I find a mentor? And then the Lord through, through a difficult time, I was estranged from my dad for, um, a number of years. And in that time, he started showing me the, the men who were my father's age who were stepping into my life and encouraging me and supporting me mm. and, 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 and doing that for my kids, too, because there was a loss of a grandfather for a while. And I, as I started to see how God was doing that in this father need, I began to recognize that he was also doing that through women in my life who were essentially my mentors, but not because we had a formal relationship. They were my mentors because 
they'd stop me in the hallway after church and and talk with me for 25 minutes and say, how are you doing? What's going on? How's your husband? I know he was sick. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how are the kids doing in school these days? Or they would, you know, send me a note saying, I saw your daughter doing X, Y, and Z. And, and you know, you should be really proud of her. Or, or you know, can you get together for a cup of coffee? I haven't talked to you in like three months. And And they weren't my peers. And that's how I started recognizing this Titus II community that God had put around me that I was learning from and growing from, but wasn't appreciating because it lacked a title. And that's when, so I changed my thinking about mentorship and then started in particular ways going to those women when I had a need and saying, what would you do in this situation? Mm -hmm. And they'd answer it. Mm-hmm. They didn't need a title either. They were happy to be like, "Hey, yeah, let me tell you about that." That's good. Uh, so, so I think for women who are looking for mentors, the most important thing that they should do is start connecting with the body of Christ, and not just based on age. Mm-hmm. So, if they're a mom and they have kids in the nursery, who's that? older woman that maybe is working in the nursery that Sunday morning that you can stick around and talk with for a few minutes? Or is there somebody in your, in your church that, um, or your neighborhood next door even, that needs you to bring in their mail and you can start having a conversation with them and, and begin a relationship that will naturally form mentorship? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so, you know, and I feel like, and maybe it's, just my where where I live or the church that I get to, but I feel like in our culture, there's not as much intergenerational interaction right. as there used to be because people don't live near their families, and so they're not naturally you know contacting grandparents every single day or or older people and then meeting their friends. We live in a very homogenous society where we're mostly around people our age and in our stage of life, and so it, I think it you know, probably comes down a lot to what you did. And that was just take ownership of it and to say, I'm going to be intentional and I'm going to cultivate these relationships. And I'm going to, when I have a problem, I'm going to go and ask them and not wait for them to come find me. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. I think that's huge, huge. It is huge. And I, I also like the way that you, you weren't looking for a, you know, like a Yoda to come and <laughs> change your whole entire life. You had a specific problem. And so you talk to a specific person mm-hmm. and because I think a lot of times, and I know I've done this when I've thought about having a mentor, it's been more about, okay, who's that perfect person that is exactly what I want to be in every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. And well, that person doesn't exist because, you know, each of us is a unique person, but instead to do what you did and say, okay, so this is an area I want to grow in. Who's good at that? It doesn't matter what else they're good at or not good at. Who is good at that? Mm-hmm. And then pursuing them and asking them about yeah. that. And, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and there's also, I, I think it's also crucial for people to be, to recognize the value of somebody like a life coach. Uh, the motherhood is no less important than obviously, and ob- way more important than being a professional baseball player or a professional mm. golfer or a professional singer. And they all have, swing coaches, hitting coaches, voice coaches to help them do what they do best. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I do enjoy that about the coaching processes because you know, I'm coaching a, a young woman now. And 
what I'll say to her in the call, I'll be like, do you want me to take my coach's hat off and just give you my sister in Christ perspective on this? (laughs) And she's like, yes, take off the hat. So so I will, and I'll depart from it, and I'll share a story of something that I learned along the way. And then she'll be like, okay, great. And then I'm like, okay, coach's hat going back on. So when are you going to write down, (laughs) you know, and and I'll ask her that accountability question. But it's just great fun because here's the thing. I think every woman wants somebody to sit across the table from them and ask them about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me, you want somebody to say, you know, how's your day? What's going on with you? How are you feeling? But usually if you sit down with a girlfriend and you've got toddlers, you're not com- finishing a complete sentence, right. either one of you. And if you're sitting down and you're with another mom of teens, chances are you're kind of talking about the teens and uh, their their life and their schedule. And you're not necessarily problem solving. You're just kind of both venting. Um, and so with a life coach, I'm not venting as I sit with you. You know, I'm asking you, I'm listening, I am encouraging, I'm praying. And I walk away and then I'm like, okay, so who's my life coach now? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and I'll turn to a couple of my, my dear friends who are able to kind of meet that need in my life and my own life coach. So for some of the moms out there, so that they want to mentor their own kids, mm-hmm. what's a couple tips that you would just give to them? Oh, only a couple. Only a couple. Okay. Maybe a good uh, starting place. A good starting place. And I say this with like preaching to the choir here, you know, like I, I'm, I'm listening to what I'm going to say right now. I'm thinking, okay, you're going to leave this out. Make margin room in your schedule mm-hmm. to be able to join your kids in what they're doing. And, and what I mean by that, I'm not saying you, know, you need to sit down on the floor and play with the Legos or you need to, you know, go to your kids, um, you know, high school dance or something like that. (laughs) What what I'm not saying, I'm saying make room in your schedule so that when they come to you and they want to talk, especially when they're teenagers, um, or even if they're eight-year-olds, like my eight-year-old, they just, they just build, it's on Instagram, you can see it. They, they built a bus out of a box (laughs) in the basement. And I, you know, it was like a cartoon. I could hear all this like ruckus going on downstairs. And I'm thinking to myself, I wonder what they're doing, but I could hear them. So probably they weren't getting in too much trouble. (laughs) And they came upstairs and the two of them are plodding along in this bus they've made out of duct tape and cardboard. And so for me to join them in in their life basically meant I stopped what I was doing. I grabbed my phone. I said, do you want a picture of this? I always ask because sometimes they'll say, don't put this on Facebook. Don't put this on, you know, Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I said, do you want a picture of this? And they're like, yeah, take a picture. Put it up. Look how cool. We're going to be engineers. We're going to build things. And, and I just kind of cheered for them and supported them and listened to them. And then they went on. I said, okay, time to get ready for bed. You know, clean, go clean up, which didn't happen, of course. But they <laughs> did get ready for bed and get into bed. And, and so making time to support their gifts and talents mm-hmm. naturally, I think, is mentorship. It's, it's investing their life or... Over the weekend, you know, I was supposed to go do something with the older girls and my my little one comes in and says, mom, can I have so-and-so over? And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. So next thing you know, I had four little girls in my house and I'm thinking, what do I do? Do I just let them go downstairs and play? Do I leave them with the older one that was home so I could go do the other thing I was planning? And I thought, you know what? 
that thing I wanted to do needs to wait and I need to bake cookies with these kids right now. Mm. And so we baked cookies, not from scratch. I had stashed in my cabinet those pre-mixed bags of like cookie mix. Yeah. Set them up with each, all the ingredients. We had We had just enough eggs left. I thank you God because <laughs> I'm always running short on something. And we, um, and, and they baked cookies and I cleaned up the mess for like an hour and a half. It was ridiculous. And, and I thought that's mentorship. I was teaching them how to measure and pour and share and decide how many cookies was a healthy amount to eat in one sitting. And so that was the, that's for like the littles. Um, I would say that's how mentorship starts. Um, I, I have a Bible, little uh, kids Bible study that I do with my daughter and my husband's going to start doing with our son. But it's for each of the older girls, it took two years to get through the Bible study. It's kind of something we don't put on the calendar, but when we have a quiet Saturday afternoon, we'll pour a cup of tea and go through another chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where the biblical side of things come in. Uh, and now with the older ones, I find that the biggest need that they have is to be heard. Um, and to have eye contact. And so that means at 9.30 at night when they finish their homework and I'm in the throes of doing something else or watching TV or finishing a project and they come in, I have to kind of do this, okay, put it down. It's girl time. And and listen for as you know long as they want to talk. And sometimes it's 10 minutes and sometimes it's an hour if we get into something. Um, and, and And I believe that that's mentoring because they're – they're telling me what's going on in their life, and then that gives me an opportunity to shape it with a biblical perspective in my mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. And that's where the life coach training kicks in because I, I now I don't feel like I have to tell them what to believe, but I could ask them questions so that they can articulate what they believe. Mm. That's good. Yeah. It, it's, it's amazing. And, and then I'm not as frustrated because – I'm not telling them what they should believe and then they're refusing it. Right. They're, they're saying what they believe. And oftentimes you're like, well, that doesn't really sound very good, does it? I'm like, well, I don't think so. <laughs> what do you think the Lord would want you to do in this situation? Yeah. Well, and the it's whole. great because you're not lecturing to them yeah. either. They're just figuring it out on their own because they have a solid listening ear. Yeah. And trust me, I lecture. I mean, there are times that I'm like, all right, here's the lecture. Forget the questions. I've been, <laughs> I, I've been coaching you for an hour now. Let's get to the bottom of it. Your mother says. And, 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 you know, my husband is around a lot of times during these times, but he doesn't really participate. He's like there, but he's not the verbal one. Mm-hmm. And I am. And I've had to come to accept the fact that just the fact that he's in the same room is significant. Mm-hmm. Because the girls know he, he's hearing, and when their dad has something to say, he'll say it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. So um, I, well, the thing that I like about the, the, the tips that you shared is that they're easy for any mom to do. Because a mom could think, oh, no, mentoring, that's overwhelming. Okay, I need to pick a book to go through. I need to plan these events to do with them. But in reality, all they need to do is make space and to listen. And and granted, those are hard things to do, especially in our culture. It's twenty four seven, and somebody are, always has something going on. But it's just further proof that we need to slow down, not just for not just for us, but for our kids as well, so that we can make space for them. It, it, one thing that I think most people love, if they have grandparents around, 
So grandparents are often just always available. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that is just a really wonderful gift. And I don't know if it's just something that comes with experience in life or, you know, slowing down because you're getting older, but there's something just so comforting to know that there's always going to be somebody available when you need something. And so to give that gift to our own kids mm-hmm. is so precious. And to know that they have the space to speak and that we're going to take the time and listen just to, you know, it takes the relationship to a different level and it builds that trust that they need to really share their heart. Uh, so that's good stuff. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. We got okay. knocked off. Okay. Oh, we did. Yeah. Now oh. I can hear you. But okay. it was a good it was a good knockoff point because you were saying something and then it, it sounded like a natural cutoff. <laughs> okay, huh. That's weird. And it yeah. restarted recording. Okay. Well I'll just edit those together okay. after I edit this little <laughs> this little chat out. Um right, right. so I'm not sure actually where it cut off, but I was I'll just start starting here. You were saying about the grandparents and then you were talking about um, making time for us to okay being um, in to be available to them yeah so it's such a just such a gift for us to make ourselves available to our children and it really you know it is a gift because it's a sacrifice for us to not just go 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 but mm-hmm. to step back and say i am responsible for these children and god has given them to me and it is my job to help shape them and teach them and So part of my job is to step back so that there is that space for them to come to me when they need me and that I'm available to them. Mm -hmm. I actually had to go through that in a, in a really hard way. I I had served on women's ministry at church for, it was a three year term and a year and a half into it, it became quite apparent that this was somewhat devastating to my middle daughter. Mm -hmm. Uh, And she is, she is just at the age and it's her temperament that her kind of oxygen tank is cuddling with me at bedtime. Mm-hmm. Like there, that just makes her world right when she has the last 10 to 15 minutes of her day with me. And, and we've had to work through it so that it doesn't become codependency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I've had many conversations with her that she really needs the Lord as much as she feels like she craves me. But at that stage, she was about eight or nine when this was happening. I made the decision to step down from ministry because the number of monthly meetings and activities that were taking place, and, and I was serving as a co-chair at one point, um, was too much. Mm-hmm. I just needed to be home at bedtime uh, consistently. And, and it was, I felt like a bad parent participating in the ministry. And I felt like a bad Christian stepping out of the ministry mm-hmm. because my daughter needed me. Um, and I, I've never regretted that decision. Uh, I figure I, if God gives me you know, 40 or 50 more years on this planet, I have plenty of years that I will serve in ministry in that capacity. But my daughter is only in this age and season for a time and I can't redo it. And so I had to err on the side of what was best for her even if it seemed irrational to everybody else. Well, and even just doing that, maybe not now, but as she looks back is going to mean so much to her. She's going to remember that when she's older and she's a mom, Mm -hmm. that my mom stepped out of something that she enjoyed doing, but she did it for me because she knew that I needed her. That's a, that's a powerful statement. I think to a kid. 
I hope so. I, I hope so. It, it's a it's a hard thing to you know fine line to walk. I ha- I didn't go to a loom last year because it fell on her birthday. Mm. It's going to fall on her birthday again this year. We've talked about whether or not that's something I should do, and and she this year said, "Go, mom. This is something you really want. Go for it." But she's she's twelve now. You know, mm-hmm. it's a big age difference from what it was four or five years ago when I was involved in um, in the the ministry at that season in her life. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's neat how God can end up using that whole process and just our obedience in doing something that we think is just for our kids. Like this past year, I had decided to stop traveling and speaking, and I'd been doing some of that, and I really love it. It's probably my favorite blogging-related thing that I do mm-hmm. is to to speak. But I felt like once January hit that I really didn't need to fly anywhere because where I live, it's kind of a hassle to fly anywhere. You have to make a connection to a bigger city and um, always takes at least two days to go somewhere. So I just felt like, you know, I'm just not going to travel anywhere this year and speak. And it was seemed like a really odd decision at the time because things were going really well and I was really enjoying it, but I just felt very clearly that that was what I was supposed to do. And as it's turned out, my husband has had been on this project at work that is the biggest project that he's ever been on. And it's mm-hmm. been massively time consuming and, um, overwhelming for him. And so because I've stayed home, not only has it been a blessing for my kids, for me not to travel, but I've been able to be here and home and a support to him. And honestly, I, pr- I would have had to cancel any speaking engagement I'd made mm. because it just wouldn't have been possible. And so, right. you know, even in our obedience and the small things that might not necessarily seem like a big deal at the time, it might be something God is calling us to because he knows it, you know, how much of a blessing it's going to be ultimately down the road. So absolutely, just leaving that, I, I think there's such a power to being able to create that white space and be that person in your family or amongst your friends that is the one that is available when people need them. Yeah, that's been something that I wrestle back and forth with and that the Lord has really shown me in the last, I'd say, six months even, the beauty of space mm-hmm. and how we can join him in the work that he's already doing when there's room in our schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it, the heart of that is kind of looking at what motivates us to fill our schedule in the first place and and wrestling through those issues, what's motivating us in order to learn how to create more space on the other side. Yeah. And, and, and the learning to say no or not now, or this isn't in the best interest, and and why I'm a huge advocate, and I know you are too, of kind of crafting mom mission statements mm-hmm. and vision statements, and and see what I think it does is when you like when you say you're not going to travel anymore for the year, or uh, for me, I say I'm not going out of town more than two times, you know, a quarter or something like that. Uh, what that does is it helps me parse out what I say yes to and no to. Right. And because the decision is being made when there's no emotional attachment to it and you're making it based on your priorities. And, and, you know, if you're married and raising your children, those priorities to be set with your husband, then honor him. And then there's peace mm-hmm. <laughs> and blessing that, that comes forth. And it's not about you won't let me do this or I really want to go this way. It's we agreed that this was in the best interest of our family. Mm-hmm. And so you know, that's a great opportunity. So what's going to shift in order to say yes to that and no to something else? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'm sure you would agree with this, that ultimately when, we ha- when we're when we forced to make those decisions, 
then our life is so much richer because we're only saying yes to the things that we are really, truly, deeply passionate about. And so the whole process of creating space doesn't just create space, but it adds so much more value to the things that we do choose to take on and put in our schedule. And so our life is just that much fuller. We have these really rich things that we're giving our time and our energy to. And then at the same time, we have these great you know, areas of, of white space that we can just enjoy our families and we can relax and we can um, help people when other people are in need. Mm-hmm. That's good. I agree. Totally. Um, okay. Well, we are about at the end of our time together, but I would love for you to tell everybody where they can find you online. Sure. You can um, connect with me personally and the life coaching uh, side of things at elisapulliam.com. So that's E-L-I-S-A pulliam.com. And you can connect with the ministry side of things where I'm going about the business of equipping moms, especially moms of teens and tweens. And, and we have a ton of resources there uh, to mentor teens with. Um, you can find me at, at more to be, M-O-R-E-T-O-B-E dot com. And at both of those websites, there are links to our Facebook pages because we're on Facebook. And you can find me on Twitter at Elisa Pulliam. And I think my Instagram account is the same, Elisa Pulliam. Um, And so, yeah, hit one of those places and I'll be there. And I'd love to connect with you. So be sure you leave a comment that you came through Kat's podcast. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, Lisa. I really appreciate it. I love what you had to share. And I know that so many moms were encouraged. If they are about to hit stop on their iPhone or however they're listening to them to it, I would love for you to give them one more encouragement before they go back to whatever they were doing. Okay, so this is where my eyes get wet. Um, seek the Lord with all your heart. Um, just, I, I know it's hard sometimes. It's hard to be a mom and it's hard to um, press on. And the monotony can kind of get to you. But what you're doing is of eternal value. Uh, Your investment into the life of your children is only for a short time, like Esther, for such a time as this. Uh, And what you do for their sake is something that you will never live with regret over. And you will be so grateful for what you gave up in order to make space to be the mom that you want to be to them. And it doesn't mean you have to do it like anybody else. Just shut off the internet and walk away and ask God, how do you want me to be their best mom? Um, and then live that out and, and follow Christ distinctly so that you can impact, impact their life with great purpose. There you go, moms. I hope that encouraged you. And go love your children today and, and love them well. Lisa, thank mm-hmm. you so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, Kat. This was wonderful. Awesome. Well, you have a great rest of your New York day. I will. <laughs> all right. Alrighty. Thanks, Lisa. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Well, that's all that we have for today's episode of the Inspire to Action podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I know that there are a million things that you could be doing right now, and I hope that this episode has encouraged you. You know, if you have any questions or suggestions for me, just head over to inspiredtoaction.com and click the contact button to send me an email. I would love to hear from you, and I would love to do whatever I can to get the resources that you need to keep growing as a mom. 
And if you enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you take a minute to rate it on iTunes. That's going to help more moms to find it and get the encouragement that they need. And as always, you can check out all the show notes for this session at inspiredtoaction.com. And you can also download any of our free ebooks or our free prayer calendars for moms at the blog. Just go to inspiredtoaction.com and click on the resources link. And my name is Kat Lee, and I wish you an incredible day with your family. And remember, you're a mom. You're kind of a big deal. Now go be awesome. It's early in the morning, the house is quiet. But I've set aside this time for you. I bow before the throne of a noble king. In this place my heart begins to sing It's gonna be a good day A good day filled with His grace His grace and sweet new mercies May my thoughts obey Jesus to walk in His way by His Spirit with each breath that I take Feeling like a guy day